If you're an attorney that struggles with getting home in time for dinner or taking a vacation without your cell phone and your laptop attached to your hip, or maybe you just can't figure out why you don't make more money based on your education level and the service that you give to your clients. Maybe you're an attorney who wonders, why can't my law firm operate without my constant presence? Or finally, maybe you're thinking to yourself, I wonder if I can ever retire from my firm. Maybe I'm going to have to work right to my dying day, like so many other attorneys before me have done. Well, hi, my name is Richard James, and I created EA Nation so that you could learn how to build a law firm that supports your lifestyle as compared to undermining your lifestyle. EA Nation stands for Entrepreneurial Attorney Nation, and we join together with other like-minded entrepreneurial attorneys to unpack the secrets to how to do just that. And I want to help you build your law firm better one system at a time. So without further ado, let's get started with this next episode. This month, we are going to be talking about the use of a lead magnet, this concept that uh, we're going to be able to use something to give away this concept of free in order to receive something in return, their name, email address, address, phone number, uh, so that we can communicate with that prospect for when they're ready to make a buying decision. And we're going to talk about the psychology behind this, and we're going to talk about how to do it. But first, I want to introduce you to our guest uh, today, uh, Brad Smith from DNL Press or Author to Market. Uh, I've been working with Brad for a number of years now, and Brad does all of our printing for everything we do around here at Partners Club and EA Nation, uh, as well as all of the four books that I've written and many of the books for many of our members. Um, and so I wanted to, you to get to know him and what their capabilities are, but also since he has seen this at the front lines of what it's like to actually go through this process, I thought it'd be great to bring Brad on and actually have the conversation together. So Brad, welcome to the program today. Thank you, Rich. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So do me a favor. You moved from Phoenix. Where'd you move to? Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Now in Indianapolis, Indiana. Indianapolis, Indiana. So you're about to experience the dark side of Indiana come the next few months. Is that right? I was born and raised in Ohio, so I know <laughs> what that's all about. Oh, it doesn't bother you at all. Do you, miss, do you miss Arizona at all? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. I don't miss 115 degree weather, but yeah, I never, never battled the heat. I, so I, it's a new thing to have cold. Again. Cold, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and mo having moved to Charlotte, you know, um, they, I just heard in Phoenix, like last week, they, they had temperature in the 70s and low 80s or whatever on the weekend. And, and, uh, and while we were, um, you know, here, it was just perfect. I mean, it was 72 degrees and just absolutely the green, the trees are still green and the sun still comes up early enough and it sets late enough that it's like, literally the perfect time of year around here. I'm assuming it's similar to that in Indiana, yeah? Very much, yes. Good. Sunshine. So, so I read in your bio that like you, you bleed ink, right? You've got ink in your pores. T tell yeah. me about your history in the printing business. Well, I was, like I said, born and raised in Ohio, went to school in upstate New York and Rochester Institute of Technology. My family's been in the printing business for over 75 years and uh, we, so I followed my grandfather, my father, and myself. The third generation, we had a printing plant in Mansfield, Ohio. But I, I chose to get a little bit more outside experience. Worked in a plant in Buffalo, New York, on a co-op program from RIT, and you know learned about printing books. We printed uh, manufactured 450 million paperback books a year for the likes of a lot of uh, titles and 
such that we're going into the grocery stores at that time. And right. Also- so that was back when, like, you know, it was it was a a real book. It was a book not used for marketing purposes. It was a written book that somebody was trying to sell for profit, right? Right. Yeah, they were all all kind of dime novels, they call them, I think, in those days. But yes. It's yeah, it's funny. Book. I used to, my dad, when I was a kid, um, after the grocery store that we had got crushed by the price choppers of the world in Scranton, Pennsylvania, he had to go out and kind of figure it out. And he he's always been, you know, a shoestring entrepreneur of sorts. And he went into the book business where he would take those traveling book shows to the schools uh, where the kids could buy the books. And my job at night was to restock all the shelves uh, in the basement of our house with no heat in the middle of July, January or whatever. So I distinctly remember all those 10 cent novels or whatever that the kids were buying at schools because they're similar type of productions, I suppose, right? Yes. Well, so, so then after you were in the book business, where'd you go from there? Uh, after I graduated, then I took a job in uh, San Jose, California with another division of the plant in, in Buffalo. And, you know, there we printed TV Guide and J.C. Whitney Automotive Parts catalogs for the, the TV Guides were for the Western region, but the Whitney catalogs were for the whole country. 11 nice. million. So it was and a good experience. Very oh, good. yeah. I mean, you, you, you saw it all, right? From small pu- uh, publication printing to large mass publication printing. So then how did you how did you then find your way to the, you know, the not mom and pop printer, that's not fair, but the smaller printer in the DNL press of the world? Well, I ended up, like I said, you know, went with my uh, family business for 20 years and then decided to, you know, that was that was enough. We uh, sold out and uh, moved to Kansas for a while and took a job in, a, in an insurance company and ran their implant shop for a while. That got me involved with the digital printing life and what was going on within that, expanded that and moving to Arizona and took a chance to, you know, run my own business again for a little bit, then ended up just utilizing DNL for books and that type of thing. So ended up, you know, teaming up with them and being able to put, put my knowledge and capability together with what they had. And since I, you know, bled uh, ink at one time, now it went into toner. Nice. That went into toner. Um, so, so at one point, DNL made the strategic decision to go into the um, book on demand printing, right? Small, small batch printing for books. What, what was that decision all about? Well, that was about uh, eleven years ago. They decided to. They had a um, the owner of DNL had a cohort that worked together. That he came up with a system that would generate one book at a time. Yeah. Uh, you know, upload the, the book cover and text and then print them one at a time. His whole idea was to be able to have these machines replicated in different parts of the world to print Bibles. That was the whole idea. Oh. And, and to publish uh, Christian literature and be able to do it in different locations throughout the country and the world. But, you know, it ended up just being one one location in Phoenix, but we do a lot of work for you know, people all over the world that, uh, and we do print Bibles uh, on, a, you know, the orders depending on what they are. That's cool. So, so you know, this, because really the way you and I got introduced is when I was ordering books for me, I was doing it, I want to say through Amazon or something like that at the time, 
Uh, and you could do it. It was a little bit expensive and it was, um, you know, it was somewhat cumbersome and there was no customization. You kind of had to follow their formula and that was it. Uh, and then you and I met and I found out that you actually were able to do it right there in Phoenix with this print one book at a time. Um, but, but we also found that, you know, if, if people order larger quantities of printing, uh, the, it, it actually does make some efficiencies and reduce price slightly. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yes. Yeah. So it worked out great. We, I, I was able to have the best of both worlds. So, um, so now you've seen, obviously we've been a huge proponent of using the book in marketing as well as other lead magnets that we can talk about today. Um, but but this idea that having uh, attorneys be able to uh, use a book in their marketing and only have to order 20, 30, 50, 100 of them, very, very small orders in comparison to what the publishing world would have required years ago. Um, and you, you've seen that now grow, am I right? I mean, you, you, I'm assuming you print a fair amount of books for a fair amount of clients through the years, correct? Yes. Yeah, that's been a real advantage to be able to, instead of stockpiling books in your closet or someplace, having to buy a minimum of 500, something like that, that, you know, now they, they order what they need when they need it. And that's yeah. how I work with them. Good. All right. So let's talk a little bit now that you got to learn about Brad. What I want to talk to all you about is, is, okay, so how do we make this concept come to life? What is it? What are we talking about? If you're new around here and you don't have any questions, I want you to implore you to use the chat. Just type in Q or question and put it in there. And if I don't see it for some reason, uh, Amanda and or Sherry will make sure that I get to it before today is out. Um, by the way, Mr. Dickerson, uh, yes, my face doesn't look fatter because I changed my hairstyle. It's because I, my face is fatter. I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, I was looking, I was, somebody told me, I got a notice from a member that the videos weren't working on the dashboard and my team was like, Hey, videos are broken. So I went on to look at the videos to see if they were broken and they weren't. So it was just some technology glitch that the member was having. But while I was watching the videos, I clicked on one of them that I had made like 10 years ago and I was gasping at the difference in appearance. So um, I'm well aware of my own agedness now, whatever I can say about that. All right. Uh, and and no, no matter of fasting and dieting and exercising, nothing is working. So I'm going with drink, eat, smoke more cigars and drink more scotch. I figured that should work. Uh, anyway, for all those that I just offended, my apologies. So let's get on with this topic. So the question is, uh, what is a lead magnet, right? What, what are we talking about when we're talking about uh, a lead magnet? Um, and so, Carrie, you asked a great question about Amazon. I'll get back to that with Brad uh, towards the end as we talk about how to put your book together. You'll see uh, in the ways in which he's able to be different. So we'll, we'll get into that. I do want to let you, I want to teach a little bit here today so everybody knows what it is that, uh, why you want to go ahead and do this. So this idea of a lead med is anything that you give away for free in return for someone's contact information. So uh, the, the, to, to share a story with you real quick. So if you haven't read his book, Influenced by Robert Cialdini, um, if, if you do read his book, you'll hear the story in there about a religious sect that uh, for many years, uh, the way that they, they, well, for many years they were struggling. I think the correct person pronunciation is Harry Krishna's, but I could be butchering that. So if I am, I apologize if anybody follows in that religious vertical. Uh, but anyway, this particular 
a group of people were struggling to get believers to follow them. And, and so they, they, they were manning up or posting up at the bus stations and the airports uh, long before non-solicitation kind of guidelines were in place and certainly before TSA was in place. And, uh, you know, they would try to stop and talk to you. And somewhere along the line, one of their followers had figured out that uh, they just wanted to make people smile and they were sick of getting people so grumpy. So they grabbed like a handful of lilies off the ground, these little, little flowers. And they just started like handing them out. I don't know if the, the lilies, they might even be Pekingese or whatever they were called. They were just the white petals with a little yellow center. And they, they'd hand them out. And, um, and then all of a sudden they realized when they handed them out, people were actually stopping to talk to them. And they, they couldn't figure out why they didn't understand this law, but they did figure out it worked. And so now if you ever walked into a bus station or an airport at that time, maybe some of you remember, I don't know if you do raise your hand, say, yes, I remember it. But, but if you were walking through a, a, you can type it in the chat, by the way, you're welcome to talk in the chat. I've muted everybody. So we don't make crosstalk, but um, you, you, if you were walking in the airport or walking in the bus station, they would hand you a flower. And they took advantage of what's called the law of reciprocity. And the law of reciprocity says, if you give a human being something, they feel like there's a law of nature that makes them feel as if they have to do something in return. Uh, it's why uh, people don't like receiving very well, because we've been conditioned as humans that if we receive something, we owe something in return. It's why many of us are lousy receivers. I'm a lousy receiver, admittedly. So, But the, this religious group realized that this was happening, and what they would do is uh, they would hand out the flowers, and they would get, you know, they would measure their conversions, right? Instead of for every 100 people they talked to, they had one conversation. Now it was for every 100 people they talked to, they had 20 conversations. And, and they were able to get more people to, you know, consume the information, take the pamphlet, actually have a meaningful conversation, maybe invite them to a meeting, a, a service, or what have you. And eventually they'd run out of flowers. Well, what everybody traditionally did was, even though that flower was meaningful at that moment, when they would walk past the religious organization after the conversation happened, they would then drop the flower in the wastebasket somewhere down the line. And so rather than going and picking new flowers, they actually figured out they could just go down to the wastebasket, pick up all the flowers that people had just discarded and, and were able to just reuse them over and over again all day. The smart ones actually put up their own waste paper baskets so that they uh, could avoid digging through the public trash. And so my point to you is this is a psychological trigger. It's as real as is gravity in the law of nature. And, and it, it will actually work to get people to give you something. That's why free reports on the internet, free eBooks, free everything is a big deal because they're looking to get you to give them something in return for the item that they gave you. That's why lead magnets actually work. So let's, let's talk about an example. So by the way, my favorite form, and Brad, I think your favorite form, of lead magnets is using a physical book, right? Yes. Um, so years ago, uh, just so you know, when I when I uh, started um, 
teaching this idea, uh, I, I was found by a local attorney in Phoenix and they asked me if I would join their firm and help them grow from just one man who was starting a new firm uh, and, and grow in the Valley. And they asked me, you know, well, what would I do for marketing? And I said, well, we're going to use a book in marketing. And this was early for me. So like I had used it a little bit, but this was, this was early. Like I, I knew it was something we should do. And I, and I thought I knew how to do it, but I didn't have the conviction of my evidence yet to prove that this was the right decision. And the attorney was very, very concerned about this because they said, well, why should we offer a book when people, all people want is a consultation? And, and if we offer people a book, we're going to get a bunch of people who want books but don't want consultations. And the answer is he was right. Um, but that's not what, where the secret lies. The secret lies in the math. And so, when, you know, I'll tell you a story to illustrate this. But the basic general premise is this. In... in the world of marketing, specifically for small law firms, the people you're marketing to have a problem or a challenge in their life that they need fixed. Some of those problems or challenges have real hard deadlines and create urgency that force them to have to take action quickly. Uh, a foreclosure or repossession, uh, a, a spouse filing divorce, taking their children, uh, somebody in their family that died, an elder law situation where they've got somebody that's going into a nursing home. Uh, they've got a criminal situation where there's a real deadline for a court date or a hearing or a summons or what have you. And so there are things that happen, uh, statute of limitations in PI, whatever it is, there are things that happen that there's a real deadline and forces them to act immediately. And, and we'll call them divers. So the ones that have this urgency, either because it's who they are or because there's an or a real deadline applied on them or artificial deadline applied on them that makes them feel like they have to act right now, um, we're going to call them a diver. And that's fine. But that represents, in my experience, about 30 to 40% of the actual people who are searching for this information right now. Because there's a whole bunch of other people who are out there searching who know they have something going on in their life, but that bigger, big trigger moment hasn't happened yet. The repo didn't happen yet. The foreclosure didn't happen yet. The, summon, the, the, the ticket didn't arrive in the mail yet. The, the wife didn't file for divorce yet. Uh, the person that is going into the nursing home didn't, like we don't, they're older, they're getting there, but they don't need it yet. They're doing their research and they're ready to make an information decision, but they're not ready to make a buying decision. We call them skimmers. And so what we found is if we advertise for divers, all we're going to get is divers. The skimmers, those who are information, interested in information, they will not contact your firm because you said free consultation. Come and meet with us. Skimmers don't want to meet with anybody. Divers want to meet with somebody. But when you advertise for, for skimmers, here's some free information. If you give us your contact information, we'll give you this free information. And if you're interested, we'll give you a consultation. Both skimmers and divers will act on that information. And a percentage of 
the skimmers, our divers, and the divers themselves will actually move forward and schedule an appointment right there on the phone or right there on the landing page where we're offering them our offer. All we have to do is ask. So here's the story, here's the math, right? So Jamie Miller, great example, longtime client, very good friend, him and Felicia are wonderful friends. If you haven't had the opportunity to watch uh, the story about them on, on From Chaos to Freedom, they filmed, helped me film a, a documentary as well as the McCraneys did, as well as Bert Diener did, but their story is documented on fromchaostofreedom.com. Um, and if you can't find it for whatever reason, maybe my team will put a link up there for you if you want to watch it. But anyway, Jamie, when I first started working with him, was sick and tired of having to spend more money on advertising to get more leads. And so what I suggested to him is what we needed to do is use the book in his advertising. So we already had data of what ads already worked. And so I said, well, what we want to do is add a lead magnet to it. And so he used to get about 10 to 15 leads every time he ran a TV ad on this one particular channel. And so what we did is I said, well, let's run the same ad, but this time let's offer as a call to action at the end, a free copy of the book. Now the ad was like an interview. The, the channel was interviewing him. It's called a long form segment. They were interviewing him for three to five minutes about bankruptcy. And in the and it used to be just, if you need a consultation, call me and they got, you know, 10 to 15 ad leads. Now what we did is we said, well, now we're gonna offer uh, through this lead generation system that we put in place, a copy of his book back on track. And this is actually the second version of this. The first book I would tell you wasn't as pretty and didn't have as great of a title as he's using right now. And so we decided to use that book. Now, Jamie went from 10 to 15 leads to, ready, 150 leads the very first time we ran this ad. One ad, 150 leads. Now, am I promising you that if you do this in your TV ad in your town that you're going to get 150 leads? No, because I'm working with a bunch of attorneys, so I'm disclaimering that I'm not promising you the same results. But I am telling you that I have repeated this story time and time again. Now, here's what's important for you to know, right? Here's what's important for you to know. When they use the book like that and the 150 leads, not all 150 of them are ready for a consultation. Most of those people are skimmers. Some say 70 to 60% are skimmers. Maybe even 75% are skimmers. Only 25 to 30% in that range are divers. So if you got 150 leads, I'd only expect them to convert 30% of those into appointments or 45 appointments. Well, if you compare that with what Jamie did before, of the 15 leads he got before, almost 100% of those scheduled appointments because they were all calling for appointments, but they were only getting 15 appointments. So in Jamie's situation, he went from, 150, from 15 leads at 15 appointments per se to 150 leads at 45 appointments. 
Let me ask you a question. Which one would you rather? 15 leads that all ask for an appointment or 150 leads that want 45 appointments? Put it in the, you want 15 or do you want 45? I know it sounds silly, but go ahead, write it in the chat. Yeah, okay, you want 45, right? And so the, the point of my argument is, it's just a math equation. Now there's steps in between this. We have to make sure the people that are answering the phone are scripted properly and they're using the 11 steps and all that stuff, but it doesn't matter. What we know that we just did is we built a list. If the number one asset in your business is your list and your relationship with that list, Jamie now added 150 people to his list as compared to 15 people to his list. And somewhere down the line of the 150 that didn't schedule an appointment, a high percentage of them were going to be interested when something happened to them. And because they had a copy of Jamie's physical book in his hand, something that Brad would actually print for him, they now have something in their hand that they will never throw away. Let me ask you a question. If somebody gives you a book, will you take it home and actually throw it in the trash? Like if you received the book for free, even if you didn't like the book, would you actually throw it in the trash? Yes or no? Would you actually throw it in the trash? Tell me. I can't imagine you would, right? No, but nobody throws a book in the trash. They hold on to it forever. I had a client come to me seven years Heck, Howard Snader was like three years after he got the book. He'd been carrying it around in his briefcase for a year and he never even read it. And he looked in the back and decided to contact me. Nobody throws away books. That's just not how life works. Even though people think books are archaic, nobody throws away a book. All right, so let's keep going. So Jamie, that's Jamie's example. The other way we want to use a book is Scott David Stewart. If you don't, let's say, oh, well, I don't do TV ads, so that's not going to work for me. By the way, we probably should have did this from the beginning. Let me classify this right now. Uh, whether you're a bankruptcy firm or you're a PI firm or you're a criminal firm or you're a family law firm or a state planning firm or an immigration firm or whatever it is that you do, tax resolution, I don't care, business transactional, real estate, whatever you do, I need you to come at this for the next few minutes from the perspective of, I'm gonna see what I can take from this to see how it works as opposed to, well, Rich, you don't seem to understand. That's not going to work in my practice area. So, so before we go any further, now that I've got everybody maximized here, do me a favor and raise your right hand for me, everybody, because I got to believe you're going to be on the right path for me. You got to take an oath, right? You know, I'm not going to unmute everybody, so we're not going to hear everybody. But raise your right hand, look me in the camera, repeat after me, my business, my business. is not different from yours. Good. Okay. Now we're on the right path, right? If you go down this path of, oh, bankrupt Jamie was a bankruptcy attorney and he used TV. Well, I'm a family law attorney and I don't use TV. Uh, you're SOL. Well, you're right. If you think you can, you think you can't, you're right, okay? But I'm telling you, you're going to be wrong. You're going to be right, but you're going to be dead right because you're going to be wrong because, because there is something to be learned for your practice area and the media that you choose to use in your advertising. This formula works everywhere. It just works with different degrees in different geographies, different practice areas and different medias, but it works everywhere. So Scott David Stewart is another example uh, that he didn't have TV ads. He didn't want TV ads. Scott doesn't want to be uh, on TV at all, has no desire, but he still believed in using the power of the book. And so again, what do we have to do for Scott? We had to create a referral development program for Scott, right? This one plus one equals two plus three, like so one can equal five, right? This idea of drawing the little circles on the board, you know, two plus two equals six. I mean, that's kind of what we were doing with Scott. How can we take 
one person who knows lots of people and turn them into a referral center for you. And so in Scott's world in family law, for him, it was really uh, priests and ministers and mental health professionals uh, and, and, and other allied service professionals like lawyers and other lawyers and other professionals who don't do his work, but they have clients who need his help. And so oh, all he did was he started a campaign and just sent a simple letter out to them and said, hey, listen, I wrote these three books. I'd love to get you a copy of one for you or maybe your clients. No cost. I just think I wanted to help the community at large understand more about divorce or custody or whatever. And so he would put together this simple letter. And at the end, he'd say, listen, fax me back and let me know whether you want one copy, five copy or 10 copies. And so they would send out like five of these letters every day. He had an assistant just mail them out, licking stamps. You know what I mean? Licking stamps and licking envelopes. This is 10 years ago, putting them together. You know, no, she, we didn't go all Costanza on her. No, she didn't get sick. Thank God. But my point is, is that she was doing the manual labor while she was in between answering phone calls of putting out five of these every single day. And he started getting faxes from these professionals going, yeah, I'd really like a copy of that book. Can you send me a copy or five copies or 10 copies? And then that person would follow up with them and say, absolutely. Let me send that right out to you. By the way, uh, Scott would love to have coffee with you someday. Talk to you more about this, how we can come alongside of you. You're, you're free this week or next week, which would be better for you. Yeah, we can have coffee. Very light, non-threatening, no big deal. He's a lawyer. They're a doctor. They can have a good conversation, both professionals, both in Phoenix. And all of a sudden, he starts building his referral network development program where he can have personal meetings with him or he gets now to add them to his list of his newsletter that he puts out for them and markets them and now he's building a tribe right he's building a a referral development tribe you talk about the McCraneys. the McCraneys are in a small town a small town again they did a, they did a a um, documentary for us you can learn more about that at that chaos to freedom but but george has got Five books that you can see here. I think he's got more. George and Danielle really have taken this small town of Valdosta, Georgia, right? Douglas, Georgia. And they have and they have put together this authorship celebrity and expert process that George is the man in like southern Georgia. I think it's southern Georgia, southern eastern, southeastern Georgia. That they they he is the man. He is like the star for all things criminal, for all things immigration. They have the largest practice in any county, probably five counties apart. I'm guessing that's about right, or at least five towns. There's nobody that's bigger than George and Danielle. And they're in large part that large, not just because of the systems that they have, but because they figured out how to create authorship, celebrity, and expert. And oh, by the way, I promise you, if you're a criminal attorney and you have and you sell, you know, DUI services for people that George and Danielle in little towns of Georgia that have what, 10 or 15,000 people, maybe in and around there, they're charging likely a multiple of what you charge for your services. Why? Because they have the authorship, celebrity and expert status of being an author. These are all the reasons why we want to run with this concept of using a lead magnet as a tool to increase your leads, to create referral development programs, and to create authorship, celebrity, and expert. Brad, anything I missed there that you want to add that you've picked up through the years when you've been working with these attorneys? 
No, I think I think it's really simple to process it, and that's what I want to be able to convey. Is you know, it doesn't take a lot of their time once they get downloaded off of your you know the uh, the website to be able to create it, and then I I work with them to be able to get it to that point where okay, you've got what you need, and then I just have that dialogue back and forth to be able to capitalize on making it happen. You, you And that's it right there, right? You just have to, they have to get with the right vendor to get it done easily. Now, Joe Jepson said in here, yeah, I've got like a case full of books, right? Yeah. If all you do is, I'm not picking on Joe, and I don't know this is true that about Joe, but if, and I'm using his statement as an example, but you could end up in this situation. You could end up with, with a stack of books and nowhere for them to go. So uh, you wanna talk about heart attack moment, heart attack moment. So I didn't know Brad back in the day when I was building the firm in Phoenix and we were giving away, I had given away 26,000 copies of this book in three and a half years. Let's call it three years even. That's like 8,000 copies a year, right? That's all I did was give away books, give away books, give away books. Everyone's like, what's your secret? What's your secret? I'm like, the secret's right in front of you. Just like, you know, the other attorneys in the building where we were, there was other bankruptcy attorneys in the building we were. Every time I would go for a pee, one of them always showed up. I know I'm not supposed to say go for a pee, whatever. One of them always showed up. And and I, they'd end up at the urinal next to me. And, you know, I'd be like, oh, hey, John. Hey, Rich, man, how are you guys making it so, you know, fast? I'm like, really? Here's where you want to do this? And, and you know, they but they just couldn't, like, figure it out. I'm like, dude, seriously, it's there. Like, you can't not see it. it it's, it's like right in front of you how we've done this. But they refuse to do it because they don't believe it. They don't think it's going to work for them. They think because we're doing it, it won't work for them. B.S., just because one guy's got a book doesn't mean it doesn't work for the other guy. It does work, or guy or gal, sorry. So look, when we ordered, like when I was going through say 8,000 books a year, when I went through the first couple of months and I'm going through, you know, three, four, 500 books a month, I was paying, I think back then, five bucks a book. Well, that's no joke, right? And, and I'm sending out these books. Well, I went to one of my old printers uh, back in Scranton, Pennsylvania, uh, Lou, at Independence Graphics back in the day. God bless them. I don't even know that they're still around. But I said to Lou, I go, Lou, I go, I need some help. He goes, what do you need? I go, I, go, I, I, I got like 5,000 books a year. I got a, I got a, I'm putting out the door. You know, what price break can you give me? You know, if I order a thousand, if I order... And he said, well, if you get 5,000, here's the price. And the price came down to like, I don't know, $2.20 a book or $3 a book. I don't know what it was back then. But my point was, it was significant. It was like a, it was going to be like a $15,000 a year savings. Now, can you imagine that conversation I had with the owner when I go, hey, by the way, uh, I just put in a PO for 5,000 books and, you know, their jaw hit the floor because now we're all in. So Joe, you want to feel like you had a stack of books laying in your basement. I had 5,000 taking up a storage unit where we used to keep them because we went through them so much, but I wanted to maximize my discount. Let's talk about how to. 
So let's let's go through this idea of okay. Let's say you buy into this idea that you're gonna you're gonna use a lead magnet. But but by the way, my statement to about what Joe had said was this: if you just buy the book, if you just write the book and buy it, that's not enough. You actually have to go market the book. You actually have to figure out where you're advertising and add the book to it. Incidentally, I need to be very 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 crystal clear about something. I am not in any way, shape, or form suggesting that the only advertising you do is a free lead magnet or a free book. I am not suggesting you should not have ads that say, call us if you need an appointment. You should. This isn't an all or nothing situation. This is a both and situation, right? In other words, you're not saying I'm only going to always do books and I'm not going to do anything else. No. We ran a host of testimonial commercials. We ran the traditional standing in front of the bookcases, offering a consultation. They never really worked that well, but we did it. We ran gimmicky commercials that tried to get them to book a consultation, and we ran the book commercials. Now, what we found is when we ran those other commercials, it supported the book commercials even more, and we got better results from them. But the book commercials still outperformed everything. Hence the reason why I was giving away. Some eight or nine thousand books a year. Let's talk about how to. So let's let's walk through this. So what if we're going to do this? If you believe me, how are we going to go about doing? It? Now, by the way, I I teach this you know in a whole course. So I'm going to do this fast, but we're going to do it. So if you wanted to, the first thing you want to do is design a cover. Okay, you want to design a cover. Why? Because the 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 only thing you need to test this is a cover. Because because if you don't believe me. Go ahead and have a cover designed,、uh, make a faux book, and put it in your advertising and see what works. It's a great motivation because then when the orders come in, you're going to have to write the book really, really quickly to get those orders done. So if you don't believe me, just make the book cover, put it in your advertising, and then see how many people order the book. You'll be pleasantly surprised. You might be scared crapless too. Then create the copy. Now, if you're a Partners Club member, we've already done this for you. So I used to charge members, or not members, I used to charge attorneys five thousand bucks. We would write the book for you.、Uh, we do the whole thing, whatever, whatever. I decided I didn't want to be in the book writing business anymore. We did it a couple dozen times. I hated every minute of the process,、uh, namely because lawyers love to get precise about everything, and and I'm not as precise, right? I'm more of a seventy percent and go kind of guy. And so I decided. Well, here's the thing: if you're a Partners Club member, I'm just going to write the book for you. So whatever practice area you have, if you're in Partners Club, I've already written the book for you. You just take the copy and make sure that you're comfortable with it, but don't overthink it because I don't want to be teaching that copy is written specifically for a very good reason. They're story themed, so we tell stories and make examples out of it to make it really, really simple for the people who are going to consume the book. Uh, and you have the cover. You have the cop. Pardon me. You have the cover. You have the copy. You put your bio on it. You put a call to action on the end, and then from there you prepare it for print. That's it. Now, to be clear, when we first did this, okay, the guy that I was building the firm for wasn't a big believer. Just saying, like. Shocker! He didn't believe me at first, right? So when we first did this, and I started giving away copies of the book, 
he wasn't like ready and fully committed to approve the book copy. And he was a bit of a perfectionist. So when we first did it, the book wasn't printed. So now what was I to do? I'll tell you what I did. We printed out a cover sheet that looked like the cover. We then printed the book out on eight and a half by 11 paper. And we had a personal note handwritten by somebody other than the owner that said, hey, thank you so much for entering a copy of the book. Uh, unfortunately, our printer didn't get them done in time for the mailing, uh, but I wanted to make sure you got a personal manuscript signed by me and they would sign their name on it. And all we did was give a cover with eight and a half, 11 by 11 paper with a little note that says, this is a manuscript, original manuscript with my signature, worth more than the book. So theoretically, you could have Brad just print you off a book on eight and a half by 11 paper if you wanted uh, with a cover sheet and it would work. But Brad, I would argue that's probably not the best way to do it, would you? No, right. So the best way to do it is to have Brad actually prepare to print it. So Brad, talk about what is printing? Let's say they've got their cover done, they've got their copy done. What does printing look like? How, how I, I, I know you had given me screenshots to walk through it step-by-step. Step. I didn't show them the screenshots. I just you want you and I to have a conversation about it. What does it look like to actually print the book? 90% uh, of the time, it still needs to be touched up. So I need it in a, the cover needs to have it complete. Front cover, spine, back cover. And then the, man, the manuscript needs to be, you know, sized to whatever size they want, six by nine or five and a half, eight and a half. So I need it to have that consistency to it. Once I get that, and I've worked with a ton of uh, attorneys, I, I create their account and author to market. So I, I put it on, upload it into their account, send them their username and password. They go into the account if they want. Usually it's an admin that I work with to do that, but you know, then it's there. Then it, it's so, their property. They do whatever they want with it and they order one copy just to look it over. And then once they get it to that point, they order what they need when they need. Yeah, so to it, there was, uh, I think it was Carrie asked a question on the on the chat. What was the difference between say DNL Press and Amazon? Because uh, I think when I created the how to write a book in a week years ago, I didn't know who DNL Press was, and I probably had Amazon as an example about how to get this done. Um, and so um, I would tell you the number one difference is uh, <laughs> Brad. Uh, because you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna walk them through that process. You're gonna, you're gonna like do it for them, create their account, get them set up and ready to roll after you've looked at it and approved it. Whereas when you do things through Amazon, you got to fiddle with it, make sure it works right, rely on the technology. Then they send you a copy. You have to approve the proof, the whole nine yards. It's a lot of rigmarole to go through. And then on top of it, if they wanted something outside of the norm. In Amazon, you can't do that. But let's say they say to you, hey, Brad, I want you to put a bookmarker in the in the middle of the book, or I want to have an extra perforated page at the back of the book, or whatever you they want, and you, you can do for them because you are a customized shop. Is that correct? Yes. So neither one, so, neither one of those two things though, Rich. We don't we don't perforate the page. We do have our limitations as to what we have available and how we do it. So but I explained that to them. So if they want, but just like the Leo Award, they want to be able to have the Leo Award on the cover. 
we can put the Leo Ward on the cover. Right. So if they want to have if they want to have uh, some sort of offer or sticker or something else, you can help customize what it is for them outside of the realm of what uh, Amazon can actually do for them. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, we have that personal touch. I yeah. like to work with them and give them what whatever ideas they have. We can put together. Yeah, and pricing is like I know we're not we're not about pricing, but pricing is similar, if not less. Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. Good. Okay, so that's it. I mean, that's how you get this done, right? Just just go ahead and then get it printed. Uh, and then once that happens, really, then you say, what do I do once it's finished? I only got 10 minutes left. This is it. Like this, I could, this is a day-long presentation. So let me just give you some tickler ideas. Like, what do I do when I get my book done? Well, uh, you have a book signing party. Lots of our members have book signing parties. You're in a community, small town, large town, doesn't matter. This is a great opportunity to bring your clients and referral partners in. COVID's somewhat behind us now. So a lot of people are willing to come to the office um, it, or you can go to a restaurant. You can have a book signing party. It's a great PR moment. Lots of marketing opportunities there. Offer to your existing past clients and prospect list. So you can uh, communicate this to your list via direct mail or email or text message or phone. Uh, you can do Facebook retargeting on them. Whatever you want to do, you can offer uh, a book, a copy of the book to your existing past clients and prospect list so that they know that you have your book. You can uh, use the book to generate referral meetings like Scott David Stewart did. Uh, you could include your book in your existing advertising. So you can take advertising, you can take your message and your media, uh, and you can have your call to action change to call and get a free copy of our book, go to this landing page and get a free copy of our book. And you can see if you start to change conversion by adding this into your landing page, create new advertising around the book. So you can start to do interviews about the book on TV or YouTube. You can create uh, ads for pay-per-click and Facebook and social media marketing, as well as YouTube, as well as um, uh, generalized marketing in newspaper ads and things of that nature, or local uh, magazines that are in different communities. And you can offer copies of the book as giveaways uh, and start real advertising around the message of here's a free copy of the book. And so those are some of the ways in which you can start to take and use the book in your marketing to start to see better results. So how can Brad help? Let's let's talk a little bit about what Brad does. So obviously they print this book. Brad, these are all basically six by nine. Is that right? Yes. And they're soft cover. Do you do hard cover as well or is everything soft cover? I, I can work with people that need I have a hard cover source that I can get them from. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't recommend it. I think it's usually a cost that's not necessary. I'd say you use a soft cover book. Um, and then from there, uh, these are more examples of more of the books that you've done, obviously ours and others. Uh, and then it's important for you, I think, to, to mention, like when you do the cover, to make sure the back promotes the authorship celebrity expert, as well as the testimonials. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Yes. And, and you actually, do you actually give them their ISBN number? Do you acquire that for them? I I purchased that on their behalf. On their behalf. So there's a company you purchased their ISBN number from so yes. they can actually list the book for sale on Amazon, correct? Correct. 
Yes. Yep. So ISBN number is an important number to have. You have to go acquire it. If you work with Amazon, you got to go do that on your own. Uh, if you work with Brad, he does it on your behalf and then just bills you for it. So that's how you get your barcode on the back of your book. Uh, it's important to have uh, because it gives it a real book value. Um, you also can do it with different bindings, like spiral bindings, because like Howard likes the book to be able to lay open flat, correct? Yes. Is there any other? So the first binding we're talking about, I think is called a perfect binding or a glued binding. Is that yeah, right? That's perfect bound. These are perfect oil bound. Oil and these oil. are these are spiral bound. Any any other type of things that you do along these lines? Uh, saddle stitched if they need a saddle stitch booklet of some kind yes right so if they want if you want to do something small you don't have a full book you just wanted to do a free report you could either do it like this with spiral bound or you can have it what they call saddle stitch which is a less expensive form uh, of of binding uh, tends to be faster uh, in the whole nine yards you also do other printing for members uh, as well like for firms that want folders or binders or things customized printing. I mean, you're, you're a full in-house print shop. So there are a lot of things that you do besides just books. Is that fair? Yes, correct. We're going to tell them printer. anything else that you do that you, what kind of printing you'll do for I me? Mean, can you print their direct mail pieces? Can you, what do you do for them that would work inside of the window that you do? With them? Yes, that's, no, that's pretty much it. We're, we're pretty much focused on those, those items. And that's what we concentrate on. Great. Perfect. Yes. So, um, uh, as we talk about this, this is what you'll do inside of Author to Market, but you won't have to do this, Brad. You would have to, you would actually go do this for them, right? Correct. Yes. So it's as simple as like if you want to do business with Brad, you let him know, and he'll actually set you up an account in their Author to Market um, world. It's his the main company is DNL Press, but Author to Market is a branch of it that has the book printing business. Yes. Uh, he goes through and sets up the book for you. Once you have it all done, make sure that it's done correctly. And then from there, if you want to contact Brad, all you have to do is email brad at dnlpress.com. And maybe uh, Sherry and or Amanda will put that in the chat for you. Brad at D and L, that's spelled out D-A-N-D-L press.com. Uh, and Brad, they'll just email you and let you know that you're they're interested in having some printing for a book or lead magnet or or bind or, or um, portfolio folder done for them. Correct? Yes. Yep. Good. And, and if it, they send send their uh, you know address, I can send them a copy of the how to book so they can great. have a copy of it that way. Okay. And and um, you will. Um, um, so wait, so when you say you'll mail them a copy of the how-to book, share them with me. What do you mean by that? I'll just send them a copy of it. I've got, you know, I can order whatever I need, just drop it in the mail and they'll get it in probably a week. And this is a book you guys created, correct? Yes. Correct. Yeah. Okay. It goes, goes through the whole step-by-step -step process. Yeah. So, so you eat your own dog food. See, I like that. Uh, <laughs> You've got your own book as an offer. I love it. So if they want a free copy of your how-to, and what does the how-to book walk them through, just real quick? What, what will it help them understand? It'll just explain how the files you know, need to be prepared and just give them a little bit more detail as to what kind of you know, process they, they go through. So they understand it a little bit more, too, as to what, what they need and how I can help them in getting their book done. Yeah, good. So... Um, like, so there's 
the point right there, right? So now if maybe you're not ready to order books from Brad, but would you give Brad your contact information in return for a book on how to do this so that when you are ready, you have it? Um, probably. I just like, Brad just made his point, or my whole entire point for us, right? Some, many of you were like, yeah, I'm not ready to print a book yet. I'll call him when I need to. But maybe now you're like, well, heck, I'll get a free copy of the book. Why not? I'd like to know what it's all about. Okay, go ahead and get a free copy of the book. In return, you're on Brad's list that he can keep in touch with you with printed newsletters or an email or whatever, so that when you're ready to make a buying decision about books, you can now choose him, right? That's why you did it, right, Brad? Exactly, yes. Good. All right, did I, uh, Sherry, did I miss any questions or Amanda, did I miss any questions that I need to address? I, there's chatter going on, but I can't um, tell. Yeah, the only one I think that I see is they, Sam Calvert just wanted to know the, the cost for the ISBN number. Joe did give him a link to go to, but it might be good to cover that. Yeah, so, uh, okay, Brad, how much does it cost for an IBN number? The ISBN number depends on, you know, like a number of attorneys have multiple books that they do. So if they have an idea that they want to do multiple books rather than paying $125 for one, it's better to buy, you can get 10 for $290, which okay. then they're $29 a piece. But then you've got them for lifetime. You never run out of them, I think. So that's the best way to do it. Yeah. So some of them are saying on the chat that, you know, 15, 20, 30 bucks for an ISBN number. I don't, I remember paying like 200 bucks for an ISBN number as well for all of mine. And, and that was long before I met you from the early stages. So if they're finding ISBN numbers for 15 or 30 bucks, what are, are they finding something that's not accurate? I want to save them from mistakes along the line, or is it just, there are cheaper versions out there? Some of them have cheaper versions. It just depends on, I buy them from Bowker, who originates the ISBN. So sometimes then you'll find out that the book is not registered in your name. So I like to buy them either. I advocate that they do it, but they own the ISBN and then it doesn't get stolen, doesn't get taken. You know, <laughs> those kind of things you find out later, you know, oops, I, I got the wrong number and somebody else has the same number. Yeah, yeah, no, there, there is a universal barcode association that doesn't cover the ISBN number, but it's a very similar concept. When I bought my pet supply company uh, in the due diligence process, we never stopped to determine if the barcodes they were using were codes that they actually owned. And when I went to uh, increase the number of the, the next level up of barcodes, you have to have a certain number so you can add uh, SKU numbers uh, to it anyway, uh, without boring you. What I found out was the company I bought the company from, or the person I bought the company from, just went out and stole somebody else's uh, number, or maybe he bought it from a cheap supplier and it was just somebody else's company that wasn't using it anymore. And it was now our barcode. And when our scanner, people were scanning our barcode, it was showing the other company name. We never knew this. And so I found out, of course, that the barcode that we bought, that we were using, was from a company that was bankrupt. It was defunct. It was closed. It wasn't there anymore. But now I had to go get the letter of bankruptcy or the writ of bankruptcy, whatever it's called, the final uh, um, a notice, and I had to provide that 
to the bar associate or the yeah, the bar associate to the barcode company and proved them that they were closed so that they would then transfer the number to me. And then I had to pay for the number to the tune of four or $5,000 a year. And so, yes, to your point, Brad, some people might be out there selling ISBN numbers that are not actually your ISBN number and they're not registered to you. So be careful. You want to make sure you're buying them from the source. And it, I think it does matter if you have your book on Amazon or not. Yeah. Okay. Well, Brad, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for thank sharing you. your knowledge and being here with us today and providing a, a place for them to be able to go and acquire these books printed for them on demand. I hope everybody found this helpful. If you're new around here, I, I hope that this wasn't too much drinking from the fire hose front for you. Uh, if you're a, a veteran around here and you you never got around to using the book or uh, you're using it, but you're not using it effectively or you're, you weren't using an ISBN number. You weren't on Amazon. I hope you found something that you learned here today that it showed you how you can start to use the book more effectively in your marketing. Um, if you've gotten away from using the book because you were using it and it worked, but your staff started to talk you out of it because they said that people don't set appointments when they use the book and you forgot that only 30% of the people who request the book will actually schedule an appointment on the first call, and, and all of a sudden your leads have dried up for a little bit of reason, and, and maybe you think you should go back to start using the book again, hint, hint, yes, I hear that problem come to me all the time. Uh, owners come in, owners of small law firms come in, use the book, uh, they start to have results, their staff rebels because it's hard, it's messy, it takes time, uh, all of a sudden they start saying it doesn't work. The owner starts listening to the team rather than running their own data. They stop using the book. Six months, a year goes by. They don't realize why their lead flow has gone down. And all of a sudden they recognize when they talk to me that they stopped using the book. They start using the book again and the leads go back up. So hope this was helpful to you. I had fun talking about it as always. Uh, if you are new around here and you'd like to learn more about us and let and figure out if we're right for you, you can get, you can go ahead and schedule a call with us at the richardjames.com forward slash PPGP. I think Amanda or uh, Sherry will be glad to put that in the chat for you, the richardjames.com forward slash PPGP. Love to have a conversation with you to see if we're a right fit. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube or a podcast service or what have you, be sure to like it comment on it, share it. Apparently that's how the technology that be determines that we're worthy or not. So hope you found us worthy today. Brad, thanks again. Appreciate all of you. For those that they'll see at Partners Club, I will see you uh, in about four weeks. For those that are in the Freedom Group, I'll see you on Thursday at our meeting. Thanks so much, everybody. I hope you enjoy today's episode. I hope you learn something about a system that you could put into your law firm so you can build that law firm that supports your lifestyle rather than undermine your lifestyle. I hope that you feel like you're part of our community we call Entrepreneurial Attorney Nation. If you'd like to learn more about what we do around here, the best way to get started is to go ahead and go to our website, therichardjames.com. That's therichardjames.com and request a free copy of one of our books so that you can take the next step in learning how we can help you build your practice better one system at a time.